Well, good morning, and uh, <clears throat> before we get started this morning, can I get an OH? Okay. I just wanted to get that out of my system. I'm glad there's a little bit of energy in the room, because I don't know about you, but I was up till uh, about 12.30, and so if you're like me, you could probably be a little bit tired. Last week, uh, we began a, a message uh, series, or Pastor Dwight began a message series, uh, simply called Advent. Advent. And Advent, as many of you know, is that time, that four-week period leading up to Christmas where we just prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus' birth. And um, it's often in, in this time that the series and the topics are obviously focused on Christmas and, and oriented that way. Um, and so uh, today I just want to kind of focus in, not necessarily on the Christmas story as a whole, but a character of the Christmas story, so that we can be encouraged and we can be inspired and uh, we can learn from them how better we can live out our lives and our faith. Because when the Christmas story happened, it was in their own Advent season. It was in their time. They were looking for the Messiah. And what we have to understand is that we can look at the Christmas story and we can actually be inspired and encouraged and we can discover ways that we should live out our lives because how many of you know that we are in our own Advent season? Christmas shows us that God came and he is going to come again. Come again. I actually remember last year at this time, Pastor Betty preached two messages about the fact that we are living in an Advent because God is going to come again one day. And so we can look at the Christmas story and we can actually discover some things about how we can live out our lives and our faith right now in our own Advent. So I want to continue this series by focusing in on the character of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, particularly the events leading up to the birth of Jesus because there are things I think that we can all learn and we can discover and apply from Mary's life in our lives as we take a look at her life. So this morning I want to talk to you from the topic what did Mary know? What did Mary know? Will you go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the season. God, we thank you, Lord, that uh, your scriptures contain revelation after revelation after revelation after revelation. God, that your scriptures are always new. They are always relevant. And God, they are always applicable to our lives. And so God, as we open up your word this morning, I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be inspired by the life of Mary to live out our lives differently this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my sermon uh, comes from a familiar song. If you uh, have already started to listen to Christmas music, it uh, comes from a familiar song that was written in the 90s called Mary, Did You Know? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And um, this song, uh, just in, as the season began, the song has just kind of been on my mind, and I don't really, you know, it's not particularly like one of my favorites, but it's just been, it's just been lingering in my heart. And I want to read some of the, the lyrics from this song, because this song was written by a man who had a lot of questions that he wanted to ask Mary. And some of the lyrics to the song are, Mary, did you know? And some of these are so, so Profound and powerful. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? 
Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. That gives me chills. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you're kissing the face of God. Even uh, famous Christian author Max Lucado wrote a book called God Came Near, where he posed his own questions that if he could interview Mary, he wanted to know the answers to these things. They're very, some of are humorous, but others are incredibly thought-provoking. Uh, some of the questions were this, Mary, what was it like watching him pray? Mary, how did he respond when he saw other kids laughing during the service at the synagogue? Mary, did you ever feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? Mary, when he saw a lamb being led to the slaughter, did he act differently? Mary, did you ever see him with a distant look on his face as if he were listening to someone you couldn't hear? Mary, how did he act at funerals? Did, he, did the thought ever occur to you that the God that you're praying to was asleep under your own roof? Mary, did you ever try to count the stars with him and succeed? Did he ever have to ask a question about Scripture? Mary, what do you think he thought when he saw a prostitute offering to the highest bidder the body he created? Did he ever wake up afraid? What did he and his cousin John talk about as kids? Mary, did his brothers and sisters understand what was happening? Did you ever consider that God is eating your soup? <laughs> There's a lot of questions that these two individuals mentioned. So let's look, at, let's look for some answers. So what did Mary really even know? To answer that question, I want to take a look at a familiar passage of Scripture that I like to call the beginning of the beginning of the Christmas story. Turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. This is for many of you, a very familiar passage of Scripture because Leslie read it already. <laughs> and so I love when the Holy Spirit uh, plays tag team. And so uh, we are going to spend the rest of the morning studying this passage of Scripture. And you'll probably get to a point where you will be tired of me talking about Mary, but just stick with me because I'm actually going to do it for two weeks in a row. So if you don't get over it now, you'll probably have to get over it next week. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, obviously a very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus or Mary is between the ages. They don't really know exactly, but she's between the ages of 12 and 15. She's engaged to be married. As a matter of fact, it was very common at that time uh, for young women to be engaged to be married at this point in their age or their life. And so she's engaged to be married and, uh, to a man named Joseph, and on one ordinary day, she experiences an angelic visitation. Okay, this was a normal day for Mary. 
See, how many of you uh, know that Mary didn't know that when she woke up that morning, that day would be different from any other day that she has ever lived out and experienced in her life up to that point? Mary didn't have like an angelic visitation on her calendar. And, and, and I want you to like consider these things as we talk through some of these familiar, famous Christmas passages because I think that we tend to, because we're so familiar with it, as Leslie said, I think we tend to overlook some of the details. Mary didn't know what was going to happen that day when she woke up. She didn't have an appointment with an angel. She was just living out her normal, ordinary life. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, one of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine being at home on a normal Monday? You got the case of the Mondays. On a normal Monday, and you're just folding laundry or watching TV, and someone just walks into your house and it's an angel. Like, this is the, the story of Mary. Mary's just at home, hanging out, unplanned, an angel walks into the room. And it goes on to say, and coming and he said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And verse 29 says, but she was very perplexed at this statement. That word perplexed literally means that she was agitated in her mind, her body, her soul, her spirit. Every part of Mary's fabric was perplexed by an angel walking into the room and saying, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And it goes on to say in verse 29 that she kept pondering what kind of greeting this was. The reason why she was pondering it is because Mary didn't know what was going on. She was in an ordinary day surprised by something extraordinary. And she's in the middle. The reason why she's perplexed and she's pondering is because she's processing what in the world is going on right now. And I don't know about you, but we can read this familiar passage. And because we know the end from the beginning, we can assume that she, it was no big deal. Mary just shows up or the angel just shows up and Mary's like, oh, hey, what's going on? I've been waiting for you. That's not how this panned out. She's perplexed. And she's pondering because she's processing what in the world is going on in my life right now. And so she's perplexed because she didn't know. Today was supposed to be laundry day, and now I'm talking to an angel. And verse 30 says, so the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Now, obviously, that would probably be the next thing out of the angel's mouth if I'm the angel and I'm looking at Mary's reaction. It's like he's kind of like, whoa, I might have came on too strong. You know what I mean? You ever think angels wonder like, I know I'm supernatural, but this is so familiar to me that if I just show up in front of a human being, I kind of forget that this isn't normal for them. And so the angel walks into the room, says, greetings, favored one. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. I kind of went on too strong a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, don't be afraid. Come, relax. You ever scared somebody? 
And then you're like, you're immediately trying to comfort them, like, hey, hey, it's, it's just me. This is what the angel was doing in this moment. So the angel said, do not be afraid. If Mary is anything like my wife, she's going to get scared easily. I pretty much, in our whole house, it doesn't matter what room Allison is in, I pretty much have to bang on the walls, walk in like a rhino, just to prepare her for my arrival. Because if I don't, she will freak out. It happens all the time. I scare her unintentionally at least four to five times a week. And so if Mary's anything like my wife, she gets scared easily. So the angel says to her, do not be afraid, for you have found favor. Now this is so good. You have found favor, or that word favor is grace with God. The translation of this passage would be better read this way. That God's grace found Mary. Mary wasn't even looking for grace, and grace found her. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God, that God has a grace that is seeking and searching out for us, and we serve a God that we, we don't look for grace, grace finds us. And here's the amazing thing, is that when we're going through life, even if we don't understand what's going on, and even though we may not know everything, we may not have the answer to everything, God has a grace that is seeking and searching out us that is able to help us get through the unknowns. This is where Mary is at. Ephesians 2, 7 and 8 tells us about this. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display. We will be the signboard or the billboard of the limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we could do could earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. Mary had grace delivered to her doorstep Amen. that morning or that day. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Verses 32 and 33. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. This is messianic language here. In verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and his kingdom will never have an end. And Mary said to the angel, how can all of this be since I'm a virgin? Now this is interesting because the text seems to suggest that once the angel said, you're going to give birth to a baby and you shall call him the name Jesus, it's as if she focused in on that and didn't really even pay attention to verses 32 and 33. Have you ever been in the middle of conversation and some, something that someone said triggered a thought and you just stopped listening? That's, that's what this text seems to suggest. The angel says, you're about to give birth. And she's like, I'm a virgin. How is that going to happen? And the angel keeps talking. And it's like she overlooks the fact 
that verses 32 and 33 are talking about the fact that this is no ordinary child. This is going to be the Messiah. And if, I'd like to suggest and propose today that if she was fully engaged and she didn't just get locked into verse 32, that she maybe would have been able to put two things together that if, if, if I'm giving birth to the Messiah, then I must be the, 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 the virgin from Isaiah 7. See, she didn't really connect the dots. Why? Because Mary doesn't know what's going on. This is a 13-year-old to 15-year-old girl. And this is what's happening. See, it seems to me that what happened with Mary was that she overlooked the details of 32 and 33. Isaiah 7, 14 uh, is a prophecy, and it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Mary is living in a time where everyone is looking for the Messiah. This is the time that they're living in. We know this, that they're under Roman occupation, so Rome is ruling them, and they're looking for the deliverer. They are looking for the salvation of Israel, and so they are aware. They're, they're, they're seeking after that. But in this moment, she's, she's not necessarily fully understanding that the Yeshua that she's about to give birth to isn't Joshua, it's Jesus. Right. See, Yeshua was a common name. And so she's in this moment, she's like processing everything. She doesn't know it all. Matter of fact, like her husband had a difficult time processing all of this. We don't necessarily know when Mary kind of finally figured it all out, but we do know, according to Matthew 1, that it required an angel to appear in a dream to Joseph to let him know your daughter didn't cheat on, or your wife didn't cheat on you. This is actually God's child in her womb. And that's what it took to convince him otherwise. And so Mary's question of how can this be since I am a virgin, is essentially her, huh? Can you say that again? I think I, I kind of lost something in what you just spoke to me. See, Mary doesn't know. She's so young. You know what we tend to do with uh, Christmas stories or stories we've heard a lot of times is we tend to uh, romanticize them. What I mean by that is, especially the story of Christmas, the word romanticize, essentially, it means this, that we tend to uh, look at it through an unrealistic lens. Mary didn't know she was not just a virgin, she was the virgin. She hadn't connected the dots yet. It's the reason why she asked the question in the first place. And there's no way that a 12 to 15-year-old girl would have memorized every one of the messianic prophecies. How many Bibles do you have in your house and you can't tell me all the messianic prophecies and their scripture references. So how do we expect this out of this young teenage girl when this angel shows up? Number one, for her to totally be able to handle it well, but number two, be like, oh, that's Isaiah 7, 14. I'm the virgin. <laughs> Duh. I was waiting. She doesn't know. The angel said to her, in response to her question, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the Holy Child 
shall be called the Son of God. This is where the angel is kind of like spelling it out and making it clearer for her. I love this picture. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The picture is describing very similarly what happened at creation when the Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters. Holy Spirit will come upon you and the most power of the Most High will overshadow you. And basically what the angel is, is painting is the same picture that what happened at creation. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And, and in the same way that the world was created, we will create something on the inside of you in this moment. And we live in the shadow of the Almighty. See, it was no different. It was not out of the norm for God to do something like that. In verse 36, it goes on to say, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was uh, called barren is now in her sixth month. Verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. And this next verse is the crux of of the entire message. And Leslie ruined it. <laughs> Behold, this is how, listen, this is how Mary responds in the midst of all of the uncertainty and all of the unknowns as a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old girl. Behold your bond slave or bond servant. May it be done to me according to your word. I don't know about you, but I, like, I just love considering and thinking through what it was like to be in Mary's shoes. Like, I can't imagine being a teenage girl and receiving a call from God to raise God on earth. Can you imagine the weight of responsibility? that Joseph and Mary had as the parents of God. What about when they lost Jesus for three days as a teenager in Luke 2? Listen, I can't imagine losing my own child, let alone the Savior of the world. You talk about a parent fail. The story goes that they came and they presented offerings or something. They're on their way home and they're having a conversation like Kevin McAllister's parents on Home Alone on the plane. Like, Kevin's somewhere in the back. We're good. <laughs> Joseph and Mary are like, did you see Jesus? No. Did you see Jesus? He must be in the caravan. This is the savior of the universe. <laughs> like, you don't have this assumption conversation. Like, he's back there somewhere. He's fine. Parent fail. This is what happened. They lost the Savior of the world. Can you imagine if, if between when she said yes and maybe early on in the stages of development, she started to realize that this is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, and I have to do everything to preserve his life leading up to the moment where he's going to give it for all of humanity? Talk about a bubble boy. You're going to stay in your room. Don't go anywhere. Jesus could perhaps have been the most sheltered kid on the place planet just for the sake of preserving him so that he could be the sacrifice. 
This is what Mary and Joseph were going through as parents. The truth is, I think if we had the privilege of interviewing Mary today, I'm pretty confident that Mary would tell us that when she said, may it be done to me according to your word, that she would have said, I had no idea what was ahead, and there was no way for me to predict it. There was no way for me to predict the events that would play out because of that yes. See, there was so much that Mary didn't know about how what the angel said to her would play out in her life. See, we actually have the privilege of actually knowing it because we've seen the end before the beginning. For example, Mary really didn't even know that Elizabeth, her cousin, was actually pregnant, which is what lends itself for me to believe that's why she so quickly left. The angel says, for nothing will be impossible with, with God. He disappears or whatever, or did he just walk out? You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever the angel did. But it, the next verse literally says, immediately, Mary went to visit Elizabeth. Because she knew her age, she knew what was going on. The angel said this, and it's like, I want to confirm what the angel just said. She didn't know that Elizabeth, it wasn't like they were friends on Facebook, and she instant messaged her, was like, hey, are you pregnant? Because I just had an angel show up and tell me that you're pregnant. That's not what went on. So she immediately left, because she wanted to verify, because Mary didn't know. Another thing is, Mary didn't really know how people would react to her claim. Think about this. This is no different than Joseph saying he had a dream where all of his brothers would bow down and worship him. Can you imagine a 13, 14, 15-year-old girl so excited from the fact that an angel came into her house and she's running to her friend, she's like, you will not believe what just happened to me. I was at home folding laundry. I didn't even hear a knock. An angel just walked into the house and told me, can you believe it? He told me that I'm about to give birth to him. Huh? Do you know Joan of Arc got burned at the stake because she claimed she heard angels? And that was hundreds of years after this. She didn't know about the social rejection that she would face when she said yes to an angel. She didn't even know about what Joseph would think. She has this experience with the angel, comes to Joseph and says, I got to go visit Elizabeth. I'll see you later. What, why? What, what's going on? What? She goes, she comes back with a baby bump. And now she has to, Joseph's like, what? Like, were you really going to Elizabeth's house or? <laughs> Joseph, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God said he was going to impregnate me with his son. <laughs> Chill out. Huh? This is what's going on. She didn't know that her own husband would hear the story and want to secretly divorce her. This is what it says. Prior to the dream he had, he wanted to put her away. 
Mary didn't know that Simeon would prophesy what he prophesied over, her, over Jesus when they went to the de- temple to dedicate Jesus. They just had Jesus. They go to dedicate him or they go for the, the blessing or the baby dedication. And Simeon says this about Jesus. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be p- opposed and a sword will pierce even your own soul. Can you imagine participating in a baby dedication where that's the prophecy that came out of Pastor Dwight's mouth? (laughs) Let me bless your child real quick. A sword will pierce your soul, by the way. (laughs) Thanks for being positive, Simeon. Appreciate it. I didn't come all this way for you to bless my child that way. She didn't know that when she said yes to the angel. Mary didn't know that she would have to uproot her home in the middle of the night and travel all the way through the desert to Egypt and live there for a period of time in a land that she was not uh, familiar with or knew about just to avoid the murder of Jesus. Okay, I I get it. She didn't know anything. Okay, some of y'all may be thinking, okay, she didn't know anything. She was dumb. She was stupid. Little immature little teenage girl. She didn't know nothing. No, she, she did know something. She did know something. And it's indicated in the way that she responded to the angel. She said, Behold the bond slave or bond servant of the Lord. May it be done to me. You know when she said behold? You know what that indicates to me? And I love this. It indicates that Mary said, God, you know, in the Old Testament where it says God is looking, is he is actually looking across the whole world, seeking a heart that is his. When she says, behold, it's almost as if Mary is saying to the angel, go ahead and send this message back to God. If you've been looking for someone to carry this baby, look no further. You found it here. This is what Mary is saying when she says, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done according to me everything that you have spoken. What does this declaration in the midst of the mystery and all that she didn't know reveal about what Mary did know? Very simply, the one point of the sermon today, Mary knew surrender. Mary knew how to submit to the Lord, even though she didn't know all the details and events that would take place because of her. Yes, listen to me this morning. Mary was living her life out just like anybody else in this room. She had plans. She had dreams. She was looking forward to a marriage. She was looking forward to setting up her home in Nazareth. She was dreaming about all these children and what life would look like comfortably with Joseph being a carpenter and hanging out at home. I'll, take the, I'll, I'll prepare the food. He'll make the money. It'll be all good. And then all of that gets interrupted. On a day that she, wasn't, she didn't have an angel meeting circled on the calendar. Mary knew surrender. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to be honest. I do not think that I would have reacted the way that Mary reacted. I probably would have, especially being uh, where we are in American culture, I probably would have told the angel, Can you come back in like two weeks? Let me think about it. 
and pray about it. Let me, I just, I need a little bit of time to process all this. Can you just go ahead and, uh, and just let me fast and, uh, matter of fact, let me look at my calendar here. I've got an opening. I really don't want to do anything on Friday. So if you could come back two Mondays from now, well, that's my favorite TV show. I've got a little window from like 2 to 2.15. If you could go ahead and just, I don't know, whatever you do, just walk into the house, walk through the door, whatever, I don't care. I'll give you an answer then. Blessings. See you later. Tell God I said what's up. This is what we do. I mean, that's part of just being a human being, especially now, right? That we just kind of deal with God sometimes this way. See, when God starts to nudge us in a certain direction or someone prophesies something over us that doesn't necessarily line up with the direction that we think our life is going in or, or God does something to us that we don't think Maybe, maybe God speaks something or nudges us, and we don't think that could be God. What we do is we tend to write it off, or we tend to dismiss it. Right. Well, listen to me this morning. Let me remind you that when we give our lives to Jesus, right. all of that immediately is supposed to become adjustable. Right. <laughs> Let me just say it this way. Yep. When you say yes to Jesus, yep. that yes is not a one-time thing. That yes requires a whole lot of future yeses. Right now in your life, the last yes you just said was not the final one. There's a yes for tomorrow. There's a yes for this afternoon. There's a yes for next week. There is a yes after yes after yes after yes after yes after yes until you can't breathe anymore. And then you're standing in his presence. It is not one yes. It is many yeses contained in that. I don't know if that was a surprise to you. But it is multiple yeses. It is plural yeses. The surrendered life is talked about in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. We can make our plans. Have at it. Make your plans. Do your dreams. Write them all out. Have all of them on a piece of paper But be ready when God shows up to crumple them up, shoot a three in the trash can. Because that's the surrendered life. We can make plans, but the Lord determines our steps. One of the questions I have for us as we consider the life of Mary is in all of the plans that you have right now, when God interrupts them, how quick are you to surrender your plans to adjust to his. How, what's, the, what's the space, what's the span of time that you need to go with the audible? To adjust when God starts to nudge your heart, when God starts to speak to you. Are you willing to show up to work five minutes late because he said, take this exit, drive this way, Go this way. Life is about these divine interruptions. And the surrendered life adjusts to God's navigation. 
See, I didn't say when I said what I just said, that question, I didn't say if, I said when. Because everybody in the room needs to know that God is not double-minded in wanting to use you to fulfill the purposes of his kingdom. He is dead set on every one of you playing a role. He's not vacillating. He's not on the fence about you. He is dead set on you playing a role. He's not double-minded. So it's not an if he were to call you. It's when he calls you. How quickly will you adjust to that? In every one of our lives, he has plans that are pending until we surrender. I don't know about you, but when I look at the life of of Mary and this story of Mary and how she said yes to God's plan, even though she didn't know all the details of how the yes would ultimately impact her, I am inspired and I'm challenged by it. When I was thinking about Mary's response to the angel, I started to think about one of the biggest yeses that I've ever had in my life, and that was when um, I made the decision or I said yes nine years ago to entering into full-time ministry. And um, I'm certainly grateful that this church has afforded that, that opportunity to me. But I cannot tell you how many times in this past nine years that I have faced an unknown, unpredictable situation, event, person, issue, struggle, etc., 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 where I have said out loud to God, I didn't ask for this. Right? Right. I didn't think this was part of the plan. I don't know about you, but in this nine-year journey of mine, that has happened more than I hoped, more than I planned, more than I dreamed, more than I desired. Leading up to the opportunity that presented itself for me to go into full-time ministry, man, ministry looked amazing. Everybody's gonna listen to you for as long as you wanna preach. You're the fun guy, everybody loves you. And then I started on a Monday, and by Tuesday, it was like, God, I didn't ask for this. And when I was reflecting on the nine years that I've been in full-time ministry, the Holy Spirit wanted to help me fully understand what surrender really is. So I'm preparing the sermon. I'm thinking about my nine years in full-time ministry. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. And this totally rocked me to the core. He said, Caleb, surrendering to me isn't saying yes to what you do know without saying yes to what you don't know. We, it's... Can I tell you, it's easier to say yes to what you do know than what you don't know. And there are so many uncertainties, there's so many unknowns, there's so many things, so many details, events, people, issues, struggles, 
adversities, things that will come when you say yes that you do not know. But you have to understand that surrender is not only saying yes to what you do know without saying yes to what you don't know. Mary did not know so many things. And nowhere in Scripture, in the limited references to Mary, do we ever hear Mary complain. We never see it. All we see is Mary adjust. All we see is Mary deal. All we see, and we don't know about the conversations. I'm sure that one day in heaven, we'll be able to sit down with Mary across from a Starbucks because you know they're going to be in heaven. You know, it'll be like, Mary, just tell me about how you went through everything. But can I tell you, surrender is about saying yes to what you don't know as well as saying yes to what you do know. And there are things that are coming your way that you do not know are going to come. And if you would make a pre-choice choice to surrender, come what may, I will obey. I'm telling you, when those audibles come, when those uh, roads diverge, when those things change, it's going to be so much easier for you. Surrender is not about putting God in a box and saying, well, I'm going to hold you to what I do know. I do know that you called me into ministry. I did know this. So God, can you eliminate this thing? No, that's not how it works. You just say yes without any conditions, without having God sign on the dotted line to the disclaimer in the fine print. See, your parents and your husbands and wives and your daughters, and and some of you are working in a business and you've got managers and you didn't know about your manager when you said yes, but you felt a piece about going into the job. Are you going to quit now because I didn't see this manager coming? Are you going to quit now because the call that God has put on your life is so difficult because you didn't see it playing out this way? What the problem, the biggest problem about it is we are romanticizing the call without understanding that there's so many unknowns that could derail you. I I didn't see it playing out like this in my head. This is not the, the movie that I thought my life would be. But are you going to be a person that says, behold, your bondservant, may it, that is a big it. There's so much in that two letter word that you don't even know. May it be done to me, come life or death. Can I tell you that there would be no martyrs if they knew martyrdom was coming? But someone in surrender said, may it be done, whether it be life or death. Maybe, maybe my ministry does not look, come out to be what I dreamed it to be. May it be done unto me according to your word. Whatever, however your word transpires and plays out in my life, I'm still saying yes. See, what precipitated the beginning of this incredible Christmas story was a teenage girl that surrendered. One of the things that we can learn from Mary's life 
to apply to our lives in our Advent time is to surrender to God and continue to say yes. And I say continue because some of you may be on the the fence. Like, I just don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Some of you may be in, in this point where you're like, why does my relationship with God have to be so difficult? Why why is it so hard to follow Jesus? You may ride the fence because you're like, I just don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Are you going to be a person that continues to say yes? Even when your first yes has led you into something that you didn't expect. God's got a question for us all in the room. Here it is. Do you need to know everything before you say yes? How much do we need to know to just surrender? Because surrendering to God isn't saying yes to what you do know without saying yes to what you don't know. Mary did not know so much. But one thing Mary knew is she knew how to surrender. Will you stand with me? closing question for today is, is there something in your life right now that God has been wanting to lead that you need to surrender? Is there something in your life right now that you need to put in God's hands and let go of control? See, that's, can I tell you that your surrender requires you to let go of the control of knowing the unknown. It's either all or nothing. And so this morning, is there something in your life that you need to let go of so that God can lead it? something in your life that you say, God, I'm done trying to control it. I'm done trying to handle. I let it go. May it be done unto me according to whatever you have spoken. So if you're in the room and that's you, I'm going to invite at this time, I don't feel like this is a corporate thing, but I feel like this is a time for you to come forward and receive prayer for that it. So if I could have some of the prayer members just come forward at this time. I want to encourage you to take a step forward today. If you're in the room and you have an it Whatever that may be, a person, a thing, a situation, etc., 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 if you have something in your life that you need to surrender, maybe there's someone in the room that needs to surrender their life to Jesus. Not just a thing, but their whole life. What a perfect season to do that to give your life into the hands of Jesus and say, I trust you with it today. If that's you, I want to invite you to come forward, and and Rick's going to share something here.
You know, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he said this, we destroy, he said we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought captive. And that's where this message gets derailed. Mary could have derailed her destiny by wondering about the what-ifs. And Paul says, we destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is higher than us. And it's when we get caught up in our lofty thoughts and our doubts and our fears that things go off the rails. But Paul goes on to say this. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. And he says, and be ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So that's you today. I don't want you to hesitate. I'm just going to pray, and then I'm just going to invite you to come forward. If you want to come forward now, go ahead. I'm going to just pray. God, today is about surrender. Lord, I pray for our souls, the souls in our room, God. Lord, for those of us that are wanting to surrender, God, I pray that we would so freely just hand it over to you and just lay it at your feet and say, come what may, my life is yours, I'll obey. May it be done to me according to what you have spoken. If that's you in the room, I just want to invite you forward to receive prayer today.